Genesis chapter 3, verse 14. So the Lord God said to the snake, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. If you're looking in a Bible or on the screen, we now whiz on to Psalm 90, which we started last week. We'll get a refresher on the start of it, and I'm reading today uh, verses 1 to 11. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow. For they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger. Your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Thank you very much, Simon. I'm going to give a warning up front. Of the four sermons we have during April in Psalm 90, this is what you might call the difficult one, the hard one, where we look at some of the less palatable things the psalm has to say. Last week we had nice things about the eternal nature of God and the spiritual home he offers. This week the themes are somewhat darker, uh, the three particular ones being death, wrath and sin but don't zoom out don't mentally think to yourself well this probably isn't one for me uh, because these are essential parts 
of the psalm. And we do need to hear the bad news in the Bible sometimes in order to realize just how good the good news actually is. Also, a little by way of advertisements, uh, this section of the psalm does offer us an answer to one of life's most basic questions, which is, why do we die? A question that confronts us in particular at funerals, perhaps like the funeral broadcast to the world yesterday. That's certainly a question that is worth settling with ourselves before we get to that stage ourselves. Why do we die? So first of those three themes then, death. Death is not original to the world. It is not the natural end of life, as some people claim. It is, in fact, very unnatural. It is the uh, complete negation of life. Death came into the world as a consequence of human sin. And we saw that in the Genesis 3 reading, which was our first reading tonight. The forbidden fruit was eaten, the Bible says, by Adam and Eve, and that precipitated God's decree to dust you shall return. That very idea of returning to dust is what Moses, in his Psalm 90, picks up on in verse 3 of the psalm. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. The psalm adds the gloss to the curse of death that life is brief. Compared to the eternity of God that we were talking about last week, human lives are fleeting And this psalm rams that home again and again with this tidal wave of images it throws at us. All the way through verses 4 to 7, we're confronted with all sorts of images that we'll have a little look at that show us just how brief life is. The Bible says that the lives of the earliest people like Adam and Methuselah were almost a thousand years long. And even those lives, verse 4 says are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Well, speaking of days gone by, this day is almost past. Sunday, the 18th of April, 2021, will never come again. In three hours' time, it'll be dark outside. In six hours' time, most of us, probably, will be asleep. Few of us will remember this day. Even few of us Will it have any consequence in our lives? Such also appear human lives in the context of eternity. What about watches of the night? Well, as we sleep, four watches of the night will pass. Those are divisions of time by which uh, the Jewish sentries who watched over military camps divided up their shifts. Those watches do matter to the ones who are actually on duty at the time. They'll get kicked if they fall asleep during them. But for everybody else, those watches pass without notes or comment, without event or memory. Such also appear human lives in the context of eternity. A thousand years in thy sight are like an evening gone, short as the watch that ends the night before the rising sun. Time, like an ever-rolling stream, bears all its sons away. They fly forgotten as a dream, dies at the opening day. Some further verses from Isaac Watts, who we mentioned last week. The illustrations continue in verse 5 of our psalm. 
You sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In England, we get very upset about our lawns after one season becoming dry. By September, they're uh, falling to pieces. In the Middle East, it's much worse. The sun is hotter, the ground is uh, even less moist, and after one day, new grass that rises up can be withered away. Come one day, gone the next. The contrast between human frailty and divine permanence is picked up on that theme very well by another hymn writer, Walter Chambers Smith. We blossom and flourish as leaves on a tree and wither and perish, but naught changeth thee. But why does this happen? Why all of this growing old and drying out, this wrinkling up and breaking down, this death? Well, the answer to that is in verse 7 of the psalm. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. We don't simply die by ourselves. There is a divine cause behind it. Certainly, in terms of physical decay, we can attribute various biological processes, even at a cellular level or a subcellular level, um, a process of atrophy. But what is the ultimate cause behind that decline? Well, Psalm 90 says it's God's anger. And why is he angry? The next verse, verse 8, you have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. As we saw in Genesis, human sin is the thing that makes God angry and causes him to pronounce the sentence of death. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden causing God to be angry, causing the curse to fall upon them. And likewise, humanity today, still, all of us continue in sin, continuing to anger God, and continuing to invoke the curse upon us. Now, this isn't about particularly bad individuals having a particularly short life. There's no one-for-one parity between somebody who's really evil and having a very short life, or equally somebody who's rather good, having a rather longer life. Jesus himself said, those 18 uh, on whom the Tower of Siloam fell, were they any worse offenders than all the rest who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, they were not. Although, unless you likewise repent, you will also perish. Our lives are brief because of God's anger against human sin in general. Well, what about the lived experience Does this psalm actually match up with what we experience in life? Well, Moses says in verse 10 a little bit about that. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Our best days may include things like birthday parties, weddings, sporting triumph or professional success. But even these best days pass away. The joy of the moment turns into history, fossilised in a photo album, left on a shelf, gathering dust. Sunrise, sunset, 
Sunrise, sunset, swiftly fly the years, one season following another, laden with happiness and tears. And we fly away, says the psalm. The life of man seems like the swift flight of a sparrow through the room. Whilst the storms of rain and snow prevail abroad, the sparrow, flying in at one door and immediately out at the other, whilst he is within, is safe from the wintry storm. But after a short space of fair weather, he immediately vanishes out of sight into the dark winter from which he emerged. Bede's Parable of the Sparrow, advice given to King Edwin of Northumbria on life's brevity. It's always been that way, and it always will be, for as long as humanity endures. But the good news is that life in a sinful state doesn't go on forever. Yes, that is good news. You heard me right. It's not just that this is bad news for us. This can be good news for us. It would be terrible if the world, a world full of sinful people was allowed to simply go on and on forever. A great fount of cultural wisdom for us is that long-running cartoon series, The Simpsons. I get a lot of my wisdom from that. An early episode of it, I think back in 1991 saw the arch-villain, Mr. Burns, being portrayed uh, in a rather negative uh, photo, or painting, rather. One of the observers of this painting commented, he's bad, but he'll die, so I like it. Now, more seriously, the same is true for actual real-life villains. When we hear of the death of somebody like Ian Brady, who died in incarceration four years ago, there is a sense of justice to that, that somebody, somebody's evil will not go on forever just rotting away in prison. It does come to an absolute final end. Death can be good news. God is a just judge, but also, as we saw last week, he's a steadfast home. How do we then reconcile these two first parts of the psalm? Well, the closing verses of the psalm, verses 12 to 17, will help us in that respect. And we're going to come on to those in the next two weeks. But in the meantime, I'll leave you with this. To some extent, the reconciliation comes in Christ. The death we deserve from sin was not just a human death. It was an eternal death. And that penalty does not have to be paid by us because it has been paid by him. He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. So then we can, with Moses, look to God who is both just and also merciful. God is just to restrain sin. He's also gracious to offer an eternal home through Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge before you this evening that our lives are indeed brief. They do pass away under your wrath. We acknowledge the rightness of your anger at sin, and we repent of our own sin. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, that you do still offer us a home, sinful though we are, and that in the arms of the Lord Jesus we will be safe forever. Amen.